Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Slow Intimacy Secrets podcast. My name is Lauren, my co-host, Jules, author of Slow Intimacy Secrets. Welcome to episode two. (laughs) (laughs) We are so happy to be back and recording a second episode that talks about all the amazing slow intimacy secrets that Julie covers in her book. And yeah, what do you think of episode one? How'd you feel? I loved it, really. Yeah, I feel okay. like uh, we've got so much to share together. Agreed, totally agreed. Um, so part of the intro of this book um, has a quote by Paulo Coelho, who we both love, amazing yes. author. And I just want to read the quote, and I would love to hear your thoughts on it and why you chose to include it at the beginning of the book. The quote says, maybe the journey isn't so much about becoming anything. Maybe it's about unbecoming everything that isn't you, so you can be who you were meant to be in the first place. Absolutely. I love that quote. Um, I think it's, um, it's also very accurate in the world of intimacy. Because uh, after a couple of years, uh, you've been intimate with people. Um, Yeah, you just kind of go into this automatic, oh, I need to do this. And then after that, I need to do this. And and then in this robot form. But um, in slow intimacy, um, I feel like it's almost very beneficiary for you if you unlearn everything you just forget about everything you ever learned and and then you kind of step into this new white slate right where maybe you can understand originally uh, what you were meant to understand from the beginning I love that and I feel like the unlearning is so much about unlearning like um you know love to our parents but a lot of it is about like unlearning things that we got passed down from our parents or oh so much expectations yeah and you've done that in your personal life a lot I think I see you as someone who's very free and like you're constantly reinventing yourself and starting these new amazing ventures and I don't know. I love taking that attitude, uh, you know, from greater life and applying it to like intimacy life. Yeah. Transformation. Yeah. It's like this little, it's like the butterfly, right? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And I love the little um, cartoon that you included in the book. (laughs) So what is it? But we are meant to. I'm all flying away. Um, Well, I love that the goal of this book is um, to lead just like a more pleasure-filled life. I mean, who doesn't want that? Um, But it's interesting, like the kind of like societal pressures that are placed on us that get in the way of that. 
I've heard this saying that comparison is the thief of joy, but I think there's other things that steal our joy and steal our pleasure as well. And I'm wondering if you've noticed anything just come up in like regular everyday life um, that kind of takes away from pleasure and ways that you're able to kind of like rewire your brain. So for me, for example, COVID uh, really came like a blessing because I, uh, I'm a little bit of a workaholic. <laughs> I mean, I love my job, but uh, not complaining. But the fact that suddenly the whole travel sector was down, it means like the hotel, the travel agency, the retreats, the festivals, like everything that basically was who I was, um, just stopped. And that's where I managed to actually ask myself the question, like, what do you actually want? And, and that's when I started writing these books because I was like, actually, I want to write. That's, that's what I really want. And um, it's really come as a blessing for me. I mean, definitely financial suicide, but <laughs> I mean, when I wake up and if I just go to write, it just brings me so much joy. I have this new inspiration in me where I like, I like think about something and I write it down and I have this notebook and I, I go to the co-working space and I write and I put this discipline on myself and yeah, everything is about learning and contemplating and understanding the lessons and seeing how I can pay it forward. And that brings me joy every day now. So I cannot even imagine going back to who I was before. <laughs> right it's like painful to think about that sometimes you're like oh god i could never do that again but i think it's beautiful because it's i mean we are so lucky you know i mean how many times did we wish for the world to stop even just for a moment you know mm. and true as i mean okay it's not great and all positive all the time and oh my god all the people that are sick and passed away i'm sorry for them but the world has actually stopped and we have that space and time to, to just, yeah, know what we actually want. Mm -hmm. And it's been a full year, officially, of yeah. COVID pandemic life. And I know for myself, personally, and so many of my friends, like, this time has really demanded of us to, like, take stock of our lives. And so many people I know are like pivoting into a different career space or starting a new business, even though it seems crazy yeah. to do that yeah, right now. So people do. Huh? There's even on this tiny island in Gili Air, there's this local man. He's amazing. His name's Harry. And he started this tiny little restaurant called Lockdown, Lockdown Kitchen. Kitchen. I, I love it. And he's like started with delivery, then he opened a tiny restaurant, and now he's got this really nice restaurant. Like, super. he's like actually made a living in the pandemic, so it's possible. Harry's the best. I remember when it was just um, his wife Linda does all the cooking, and I remember when it was just him like doing deliveries, starting out. He invited us over for um, oh gosh, what was the holiday? He said it was basically. What's that? After Ramadan? Yeah. Idul Fitr. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and it's so good. Yeah. Best dinner. Like food fest. <laughs> it's oh like Christmas God. for us, really. Yeah. That's what he was saying. I was like, Even why are you inviting me? <laughs> yeah. 
I was like, why are you inviting me to your house for like yeah, your version of Christmas? Yeah. Oh, so good. Um, well, I think so for me trying to like stay in that zone of like pleasure and positivity and high vibrations versus like low vibration. It's always a struggle personally, but I was pretty proud of myself yesterday. Um, this guy cut me off in traffic and then basically slammed on his brakes. I don't know if he was trying to like mm. get me to hit him. It was a crazy scenario. And oh, I God. like barely missed hitting his car. I just stopped and I was like, oh my God, like what is your problem? And he got out of his car, started screaming outside my window. And oh, my where God. I would, in any other scenario, like if this had happened at another time, I probably would have lost it or started crying or something. And I just kind of looked at him like hollering at me. And I was like, don't yell at me. Like get back in your car and don't yell at me. I don't know you. And we got back in the car. It felt like the Lord took over my body. Honestly, I could not believe it. Um, So I think these are little like signs of growth. Like over here, it's springtime, like there's new flowers popping up. Like I feel these like seeds that I've planted and worked on. These are signs of growth, but I'm I'm with it. I'm here for it. But anyways, back to the book. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I have, okay, so basically my method of making my way through this book for the podcast is to take these little nuggets that you talk about and in the book and um I don't know I just want to like hear your perspective on it in a more like conversational setting um so I wrote down a couple bullet points maybe you can tell me which ones grab your attention first um your first orgasm um sex education like the reality of what it was versus what it could be. Um, different types of intimacy. Polynesian style slow sex. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot that we could talk about. <laughs> um, I really like Polynesian style slow sex. Okay. Tell me about it. So I was reading, where did I read this? In a book somewhere. And then I started to research it, right? And uh so yeah, in Polynesia, obviously, they, they are really comfortable with nudity. Um, the women are naked on the beach, you know, they just have a little bottoms on, and, but the, the breasts are out in the open. And so kind of men grow up, you know, seeing a woman's body and, and being, you know, totally okay with it. Like kind of having your sexual cravings under control in a way um so I thought it was really interesting yeah I really like that because I thought it was really interesting also to see that out of that um they also developed a a more slow sex approach to sexuality um where it envelops more uh, pleasure than uh, the you know orgasm oriented junk sex mentality that uh, yeah sometimes we tend to have I think also like for example in Indonesia where I live 
which is the biggest Muslim country in the world, right? Um, when I joke with my staff and it's this huge taboo, right? But everybody talks about it. Like all the jokes are mainly about sexuality, just laughing in the kitchen and, you know, making very cheap jokes. So I feel sometimes um, it's kind of the human brain is wired like this, right? Oh, we're not allowed to speak about it. So we speak about it all the time rather than if it's out in the open and we, we kind of create an open relationship with it, it develops more respectfully and kind of into a sacred sexuality, which is what uh, they have in Polynesia. So I thought it was a really nice example of a tribe. Do you think so I that... go through different tribes throughout the book, uh, yeah. linking it to things that I've tried that have changed my life and just finding where they come from because then you kind of understand how it can evolve in your life too, I guess. And why did you go to like, you know, tribes as to, like, what was your draw to like different tribes around the world and, and looking for ways that they approach sexuality? Were you just looking for something it's different? It's with my dad. <laughs> We're talking about JL again. Yes. So my he comes up every episode. <laughs> My dad was born in Africa, and when I started uh, writing about intimacy, he, um, he he's kind of a strong man, so he's like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to interfere, like, I'm going to let you write that, because I think now you've got the age where you know what you can and what you cannot write, but when I was in Rwanda, um, there was this very common, um, like, um, thing yeah in fountain women like fountain women you know what do you mean like yeah there's this queen and uh, her husband was at war so and sexually she kind of was missing something and so she kind of forced one of her servants to come and please her but the servant was so nervous and he was shaking <laughs> and shaking and shaking <laughs> and he couldn't really like penetrate her, right? But then, because of the shake at the outside <laughs> of her lady bit, she kind of squirted. Yeah, I really hate that word, but they call it squirt water. And then that turned into a river and that turned into Kivu Lake. <laughs> so basically, generation after generation, the parents, the women on one side and the men on one side in the tribes take the daughters and the sons apart and they explain this story to uh, their children. And they explain that for the marriage to work, it is very important, this sacred water. And they need to like learn. There's a whole documentary about it. I looked it up online. It's amazing. It's this Belgian guy. And... Uh, he was walking past this mattress which was soaked and he's like what happened you know and the guy explains oh you know, he's super proud like oh, my wife <laughs> so he's like oh my god this is amazing so he made this entire documentary about it and it's amazing um 
So that's where the tribe idea came from. Because I was like, okay, well, instead of being like, oh, you need to squirt and the bigger the toy, you know, to like make you squirt, which is totally not what I stand for. Um, I thought this was a nice story. And that's how the tribe idea came uh, into the book. Oh my God, that's fascinating that there, that this is like a, an integral part of this tribe's like culture and like oral tradition, things they teach <laughs> the kids. That's amazing because honestly, I, I feel like even in like Western culture, the whole topic of I can't even say it without laughing. It's okay. like sacred water. You can say sacred water. Sacred water. I <laughs> like water that. Is good, right? I like that better, but I also feel like um, <laughs> I don't know. That makes me feel like very yogi talking sacred water. Um, it's coming from a tribe in Africa, so it's not yogi at all. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, although yoga did get its well. Are we talking about the, the same? <laughs> <laughs> there's like two camps that yoga started in india but then also that it might have started in africa like ancient tribes whatever we don't have to go down that rabbit hole yoga means union anyway so that is so true yeah. um but back to squirting for a second <laughs> i think it's you fast it, i know i tried i really took all my focus but I think it's really interesting that it's this kind of like holy grail type of sexual experience, especially like in porn. Like it's very like, uh, like I don't know. It's like a, it's a huge thing like in porn more so than it is in like, um, even like dialogue about sex, at least in like American. So, um, the first time it happened to me, I had no idea what was going on. So I was, uh, I was thinking, what is, what is going on inside of me? Like, I felt like this really, like this light inside of me was like, you know, just glowing light. And, and then I started squirting and I had no clue what it was. I was like, oh my God, am I peeing? <laughs> Everyone says that. They they like pee the bed. But then it wasn't really coming from the right, like, it wasn't the same feeling and then it kind of just like really like squirted out so luckily the man I was with knew what it was so he was like oh my god this is amazing so I was like okay cool apparently it's amazing so then I understood and then I kind of researched it more and yeah I don't really um, have it under control um, but uh, it comes now and now and then. I feel it like really come up from inside. You know how the the clitoris orgasm is more like outside, and you kind of can control it if you want it, or you. It's the way you. But there, it's like it comes from inside. So it's this really deep, warm, and nurturing orgasm, which is also from the clitoris because it's basically clitoris stimulation, but from inside. Yeah. Uh huh. Because the clitoris. The clitoris is like this, <laughs> and this. <yeah. laughs> but if you stimulate it from inside, that's where the squirting comes from. Because I looked Think. it up as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's like a whole. That's a central tenet of this book is like explaining the clitoris, explaining that like it can be stimulated from the outside, from the inside. That it's not just like this like teeny little like boop in one place. Which it's I had no this, idea. 
I had Girl, no idea. Same. Like this like book. Not even a year ago. In education. Truly. <sighs> this should be taught at school. Come on. Right. Or by the parents, at least. They probably don't even know. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, that's why I love this book so much because like just the way that you're talking to me about your experiences now and your research, like that's exactly the voice of this whole book. It's very informative, but it's also like funny and anecdotal and interesting. Um, and I love that you're able to like break down these basic concepts about human anatomy that are so foreign, like girl, I'm 29 years old. Like, how did I not know that, like, that's the situation that I've been walking around with, like, my whole life, you know? Absolutely. It's just weird. I have, like, a huge, and I have a really big gripe with, like, sexual education, especially in the U.S. I can't speak to, like, your upbringing in Brussels. Um, were you in Brussels when you were, like, young and learning about all of this? Yeah, but I didn't learn any of it. Like I do a lot on feeling, but uh, about a year ago, my cousin, so she's a sex therapist and uh, she's amazing. Um, she uh, sent me a video uh, about the clitoris of one hour <laughs> explaining the clitoris. <laughs> and then I was, looking, I was looking, I was like, what? <laughs> How did I not know this? <laughs> so then I was like, oh my God, I need to know more about about me you know mm -hmm. so that's when I joined I, 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 I was in France and then uh, I was gonna go see her because I was gonna travel through anyway and then she's like oh I have my seminar and I'm like what seminar sensuality seminar and I'm like okay sign me up <laughs> so yeah and then I bought all the books she had there and I started like reading all of them and and that's how slow intimacy secrets is born yeah because mm -hmm. I was like oh my god this changed my life. Everybody needs to know this, right? And that so. seminar is like a real, it's a thread throughout the whole book of like um, kind of how it was structured and what you talked about. Um, yeah. If you had to pick like one or two major takeaways from the seminar, what would you say it was? Besides being inspired to write your own book about intimacy. So the first thing is body positivity. So I think what really came out of that seminar is that all bodies are beautiful and um, they managed in just six days to make all the women there comfortable in their body or more comfortable than when they arrived anyway. So that was a huge breakthrough for me. And um, oh, so many things, I need to say just one more, one more. Yeah, I, I really liked how, um, Ophelie, so one of the sex therapists there, uh, who is my cousin, uh, talked about how to walk and uh, how to, the posture and how to uh, make up and very basic things. But uh, with doing such simple things, you know, you actually changed how you looked, you know? Like she would always say, okay, everybody, nipples to the sky. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like what and then, and then I was like actually you know when when I'm like this you know or I actually Marilyn Monroe her nipples are always yes. to the sky look up all the images online you know of Marilyn Monroe 
her nipple went to the sky. So instead of saying, like my grandmother always used to say, keep your back straight, you know? And it's like, ladies, ladies, put your nipples, point your nipples to the sky. <laughs> so I don't know was, where I heard this saying, but maybe it's from a movie or something, but I just remember this line of someone, like an old, older lady saying, eyes up and tits to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> amen <laughs> oh so good I love that and it's so true like yeah. so what I've noticed so I'm a yoga teacher and with um you know the like so much of it is about posture and alignment like when you align your body you align your life right but it was yeah. so fascinating to me to be you know 28 years old before I realized that like my pelvis actually is constantly tilted like it's kind of like this shape and mine was always tilted like to the back and I think part of it is um like core disengagement you know kind of the lazy core but also part of it is like I don't know there's this kind of like pop your booty out a little and like I realized that actually if you go from this like backwards tilt to a more like centered place it like changes everything my back just cracked when I did that like Mm -hmm. it truly changes everything and so it's funny how it takes kind of like a third party realization moment to be like oh I've been walking around in this totally weird position and what is that telling my body like what am I internalizing through my posture yes absolutely posture you know, such simple yeah. things that they have so much value. That's so true. That's very true. And also to, you know, the point about makeup, I've been trying to, uh, you know, in pandemic life, you don't need to like put a face of makeup on every day if you're just like home and whatever, like long live sweatpants forever in the pandemic. Yeah. Um but the difference in just my own mind, like my headspace, when I put on makeup in a day versus oh, nothing. So good. Right? Yeah. Right. I never wear makeup, like ever. Because, you know, in Indonesia, it's you're sweating. And so, you know, it's just sandy. You go in the ocean. So mascara. Yes. Yeah. You're always tanned, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, when you're tan, you're like, I, I feel cute. Yeah, that? so when I got there, and then high heels, they made me walk in high heels. Imagine high heels in the sand, yeah. <laughs> but then, I don't know, like, after these five days putting on makeup, and then they did this really nice professional shoot of you, you know, and like, you know, sexy lingerie, and just clothes that you love, that you brought with you. And, um, yeah, it made me feel really beautiful. Like a different kind of beautiful. Mm. Do so you think it's important for your yourself, you know, for your self-esteem, for your yeah. And then I actually loved it so much. I did a professional shoot with one of uh, her photographers. And uh yeah, when I post these images, people are like, is that you? I even send it to like a graphic designer, like to use as the base of a illustration for a cover. And she's like, no, that's like a professional image that you took online. We can't use this for your cover. I'm like, oh, hello, this is me. 
this yes. is you i didn't even recognize you and it just you know makes you feel really beautiful you know and let's face it we're all gonna get old we're not gonna get younger so now is the time to like take that time for ourselves and be like i'm gonna be a pinup and i'm gonna shoot that and i'm gonna keep this with me forever you know in my heart i love that um, I, I feel like a lot of people sort of reserve any kind of like pinup shoot or a boudoir shoot. Like, I feel like that's something that people do as like a wedding present for their husband or, or whatever. But Everyone I love to do it once in their life. Really? Yeah. And I love really. the idea of just doing it like for yourself. Yeah. Like, I'm hot. I look good. I want to like yes. remember this. Absolutely. I look at these pictures and I'm like, half of them, I'm not sure if I'm ever going to post them because they're so sexy. But I'm like, wow, damn, I look really good. You know, I look like a, like a proper model and I'm not. But that photographer, he just knows, you know, he's just like, do like this. <laughs> do like this. He's hilarious because he's with his big camera. He's got this ponytail. He's tiny and he's like full of energy, you know. And <laughs> so you see him in his jeans and he's like, doing the pinup pose so you're like pissing yourself yeah you're like doing the same and then bam you've got the shot you know and it's just yeah it's a really like I have goosebumps just speaking about it it's a really nice experience Aww. would you say yeah. it was like empowering or um made you feel vulnerable or how how was that experience? really good about myself and really beautiful inside and out hmm. and I keep it with me because I have that whole album and yeah. That's awesome. Did the shoot happen at the end of the five-day retreat or where did it happen in the lineup? So we did one shoot at the end of the retreat, which was done by my cousin. And then after that, I booked a separate one. I'll put the links in the podcast of the people I did it with, mm-hmm. of a professional photographer and his wife, uh, does all the makeup and hair and and he's a photographer so they only do uh pinup boudoir shoots yeah that's amazing and i love i love that structure for the retreat of like doing all this inner work and then at the end you get you're like so bright and shiny when you're coming out of a retreat like that but you have these yeah. photos like forever cool. yeah so what's our julie homework of the week <laughs> What is Julie homework of the mm-hmm. week? Last week it was orgasmic breathing. Okay, so because we have been going through uh, body positivity, I would say um, go in front of the mirror and get ready for a date with Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> so makeup, hair, like a really cute little dress and just like you know, get ready for a date with Tom Cruise. And uh, <laughs> if you're still in love, because we don't know where the world is going, um, just, you know, have that date with Tom Cruise at home. And if you're not, then go out stunningly beautiful and have a date with Tom Cruise. <laughs> yes, I love that. I might swap out Tom Cruise for Adris Elba in my mind, but I do love this idea. And... um 
okay, I'm going to do it. And I'll send you a photo of me looking and feeling all, all cute. I'm ready. Yeah. Well, not right now, but I will be, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, baby. Thank you. I love it. Okay. I'm here for this homework assignment. I'm ready. <laughs> Perfect. Um, well, next, we have so much to talk about in this book. So there's plenty more juicy stories next week. And I can't wait to keep making our way through the book and continuing these conversations. Me too. Thank you, love. I love you. Thanks for this body, po body positivity reminder. Bye. Bye, cutie. See you next week. Slow secrets.